0: Events for Breakfast, your go-to guide for advice, top tips and events industry insights. My podcast is delivered in bite-sized chunks to help you digest information and expand your events expertise. Hi, everybody, and welcome to season three of the Events for Breakfast podcast. I know, season three, we are hitting the big time. Welcome back, everyone. It's really nice to be back with you. I'm Kelly Frew, your podcast host. Now for season three, we've got some fantastic guests lined up for you. Some of the recordings are already in the bag and they are utterly inspirational. And I can't wait to share them with you. We're learning so much on this podcast and I am so privileged to share the journey with you. And this season is going to be just as good as the other two, even if I do say so myself. So kicking off our brand new season, I have a superb guest coming your way. His name is David Ogiste, and he is the founder of Nobody's Cafe, which is an experiential marketing agency. So I've been wanting to interview David for quite some time now. I've been following his journey and he really is quite a guy. So we're going to be talking all about experiential and David is going to share his expert knowledge on the subject. Enjoy the first episode and I will see you at the end. David, welcome to the podcast. I'm so excited to be talking to you today. Thanks for joining us.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me. It's one of my... One of my favourite podcasts that we listen to, we put on our playlist all the time. So it's really great to be sort of on it and get to chat with you.
0: I know I was so excited last night when I went to your playlist of podcasts and I was on there I was like oh this is exciting isn't it I've made a playlist on Spotify (laughs) it's wonderful and so um, I love your background I I told you before we started recording today that I got lost in your background on your website last night so I think the listeners would love to know a little bit about you and um a little bit more about Nobody's Cafe so can you fill us in please
1: Yeah, so I started out in the events industry when I was pretty young, probably about 16, 17. First started doing house parties for my friends, which then led into doing sort of nightclub events and working in the hospitality industry when I was in university. So did that all sort of throughout university, a little bit after. And then after university, I kind of moved away from hospitality and nightclub and those type of events into experiential. So started off. Um, is what you call a campaign estimator. So I would help to pull together what the campaign was gonna be and then someone would go off and sell it and then we'd, we'd deliver on that. And then pretty much started from there. I love doing events. I think I love bringing people together and you get all of these people together in a room and it's this amazing thing of just kind of sitting back in a way and creating something that is living and breathing. And that is what I love about experiential and events. You you stand there, you watch these people interacting with each other, with the DJ, with the act that you've done or the um, interactive display that you've put together, like anything it could be. But you see them all do that and it's just such a buzz that you get. So, yeah, so I carried on doing that for a couple of years when I was up north in Leeds. And then I moved over to Dubai and I lived nice. in Dubai for a couple of years. Worked with an agency out there where lead client was PlayStation. That I, I used to work on. We did some amazing stuff. Um, did a media trip in Nepal, as you nice. do. Um, yeah. So yeah, away <laughs> 16 um, influencers and in media, and we did an adventure trail for three weeks. Three, I say that? three, <laughs> three days, three weeks would have been a long time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, we we pull that together ideation around that so I did that for a couple of years in dubai which was a really exciting place to be like yeah. the budgets for some of the activations they put together and some of the stuff that you see out there is fantastic then after that moved to london yeah worked in another agency there worked on some stuff for pepsico doing some supper clubs and um, some really fun stuff there then i went client side so i made the switch and decided yeah. right going into what it's like in the client side which was really good I'm I'm really happy I did that yeah Um, because it gives you a different understanding from when you've been on agency and freelance when you're in that client side of like oh that's why when you're on agency side and you're like why has the client disappeared for two days or three days when you're expecting an answer straight away and that's because there's the processes internally of you need to speak to different departments to get everyone gets their sign off and make sure you're moving forward together so that's understanding that you get and then as we all know and I don't want to dwell on it as well because I think we've spoken about it all enough the pandemic hit and I was working client side and the pandemic hit Uh, redundancy started to happen and there was an opportunity for me not to and for me to stay yeah and some people might say crazily I decided that I was going to be made redundant and I was going to start Nobody's Cafe because I had in my mind that there was a model that could help both sides of the sort of coin differently. We could help brands, we could help agencies, we could help um, the freelancers. And we could all work together in a fashion that helps us all deliver amazing work. And that's what the ethos of Nobody's Cafe is. And the name actually comes from, in the 1920s, there was a Mexican cafe called um, Cafe Dinadi. And that is Nobody's Cafe. And in that cafe, they used to hold events where writers, creatives, musicians used to come together. They used to discuss creativity, listen to music. And it was like an event in itself. And together they help to elevate culture and so that ethos is what i'm trying to and we're trying to do with nobody's cafe but that bringing them together bringing freelancers together to create different sort of models of working together with diverse talent that can come together and deliver for yeah. a brand and also help agencies as well because sometimes agencies are we're at capacity you yeah, can't absolutely. do anything. And they've, they've found they've got an amazing client that wants to work with them and, and wants that. And sometimes it's just a case of we need a team that can help us to deliver on this. And we can, we can help agencies in that respect. And we can work directly with brands and help them. But the, the, the core of it, um, which I know we discussed before we started recording, was that, that freelancer model of being able to bring together the perfect talent for the brief rather than some agencies say we're big enough we've got all the talent in the world in this room and you're a client that needs this oh we've got all of that talent yeah and then the same then the next day or the same day another client will ask for a totally different thing and they'll say oh we've got all of that talent sometimes that may be true but in the reality of things it generally isn't it isn't true and I know we've talked a bit about diversity before we, we start recording, but a lot of the conversations that we're having now, a lot of the brands that we're working with and speaking to, and a lot of the agencies, like there is that gap when it comes to the diversity, that we are making more diverse films. We are making products and services that are targeted to more diverse audiences, Yeah, but the people that are creating the thought process and the, the creatives and the ads and all of these things aren't coming from that diverse background and so with Nobody's Cafe it allows us to bring in those people so say there is a campaign that is looking at um, black minorities in a certain area and we want to speak to them and it's a product that's directed to them we can bring in someone that fits that demographic and goes look I'm speaking to myself in a way yeah. I am the an audience and I'm creating for that audience so it could be Asian de- demographics it could be female demographics it, all of those things we've now got the ability to flex up and down for that need bring in those creatives and I like to call everyone sort of creators I don't like to say like I've worked in companies where you're kind of like, you're pigeonholed, you're like, you're a creative, right? Your you do all the creative stuff. You're operational. Yeah. You're and then yeah. sometimes these operational people that are like, oh, I work in production. They're sat there going like, I've got a really good idea that will well, yeah. work this, but then they're like, oh, well, that's the creative jobs and you're stepping on toes. I really dislike that model, I'll be honest with you. Yeah. I think that we all, ideas come from everywhere. So you can be creative and go, Oh, I've just got a really good idea that my production side might help you be able to do and produce it better. And the, create, the producers, oh, I've got this really good creative idea that's gonna elevate the campaign. So I don't narrow down too much into like, you're a creative director, so you can only think of ideas. If you've got a production idea, but cool. We all sit around, we all sit at the same table and we all come up with those ideas. And I think that's the same for sort of seniority levels. I've been in rooms where you feel like you can't have an idea because you're the junior account manager. So you're not allowed to have an idea until you're the senior account manager. And sometimes you're the junior account manager working on a campaign that's aimed at someone that's your age, your demographic, and you're getting told by someone that's, 10 15 years older than you out of that demographic this is the campaign we should do and you, you're kind of hands typing around your back can't say anything and you the best work isn't happening yeah, the best work right, comes right. from that demographic turning around and going look I don't think that this would work I wouldn't like this and I am the audience so I'm going to stand up in this meeting and go we should do it a different way or even if it's like we should come together and we should think on a different way. I might not have the answers, yeah. but we can challenge each other and then come to the best answers. Um, and yeah, that's, that's kind of the model which we're trying to pull together and we are, we are pulling together.
0: And oh, I don't even know where to start. I've got so many questions for you in my head right now, and I'm not even looking at the questions that I've wrote down. But, um, I've been on client side, I'm on client side at the moment, um, and I have been on agency side. And we all know that agencies will say that they've got all of those skills, like, absolutely like you say, that they say that they've got all of the skills internally and they'll they'll tell a client that, they'll, te- they'll they'll sell that story to a client, and then they'll be furiously behind the scenes trying to get freelancers in to sort of support whatever brief comes in. What I like about you is the fact that you're really open and honest and I think it's the right way for an agency model to go forward in the fact that you you are saying we are a pool of eight freelancers we are a pool and we will absolutely match what you need for your brief and we will bring the right skills in to make sure that we've got the right team for you so it's it's not fixed and I I do think it's probably an agency looking forward need to think about this model a little bit more um, and the other thing I really love is the fact that you were so bold. You were so bold in the middle of a pandemic and went, nah, I'm going to leave my my role and I'm going to set this up, not knowing that actually this is the right model going forward, I'm sure, because we all know now that right now clients are looking you know from an agent's perspective freelancers are going to be in a bit and needed right now because it, it's picking it up it's it's dropping it down you know it's flexing it's upskilling and it's drawing back as we need to so you made a really bold move didn't you but it, i think it's yeah. going to pay off and i think it's the right model for the for right now
1: yeah and it, it was that and it was a kind of bold move for me yeah. really like Anyone leaving any job, any time, at any point in the the history of the world, it's a difficult decision to make. It's very difficult to go, I've got a fixed salary and I am going to move. I've got, I'm being potentially made redundant and I've got the opportunity to maybe stay, like, in the middle of the pandemic. Yeah. (laughs) It's a risky time. But I just, sometimes you just get passionate about something. Yeah. Sometimes you get to kind of the end of where, where you want to be in terms of like I was at a point where I kept on just being unhappy with what I was doing I was fine with doing it but it just didn't feel like I loved doing it I didn't feel like I loved to get up in the morning I didn't feel yeah. like I had purpose. and this felt like it was gonna be my purpose it felt like it was gonna give me something to do and it and it also sometimes it feels like I'm not just doing it for me in a very strange way like growing up um mixed race growing up sort of identifying as black in the UK, a lot of the time I felt within the industry I was in, like the only way I was ever going to do anything and have real success was by through entertainment. Because yeah. that's where, where you identify with representation and what you see. I see the Edris Elbers, I see the, the Will Smiths, I see the, the Jay-Zs, but it's very rare I see someone senior owning a business in the events industry that is black. In the UK, it's, it's very, very minimal. And so for me, I kind of felt like I'm starting this, yes, for my own personal purpose, but I'm also starting this to kind of go in 10 years time when someone goes, what do I want to do when someone's doing an event grad um, course uh, and a, a black guy or a black female is doing an event grad course and they go oh I can do this not I can go and just be a senior account manager and hidden away in a company yeah I can go off and I can start my own company I can own an experiential company because that is a model that I've seen and kind of that's where that's where I was and i <laughs> crazily, that whole Black Lives Matter thing picked up just as I was launching. And it kind of felt, yeah, it just felt like it was all the right move. So yeah, it was bold, but it just felt right. And then when you, like you said there about the freelancers and this was an idea I had before we hit the pandemic and then the pandemic hit, and I was like, companies are gonna wanna hire, agencies are not gonna hire, but they're not gonna wanna hire massive teams that no. brands aren't going to want to hire massive teams I want to hire someone that can kind of like work with them and then shrink and build up as they need to not just start by going our agency is going to be 50k before you even have a conversation it's yeah that, let's build the conversation right now we know that this project needs this team and we know what you need we can build in on that and that kind of that model, like you said, there is a model that people need to think about, is also the the honesty and the transparency. Now, I look at when agencies started, and you go back to you watch Mad Men and that idea of the agency started. Now,
0: yeah.
1: a lot of events and experiential agencies are working on that same model. They yeah. didn't turn up till about 20, 25 years ago, and we're kind of growing and, and we're moving forward, but they started on that model. And they haven't really evolved it. They have, they've kind of gone, this model works and it's changed. Don't get me wrong, we don't all sit around smoking cigarettes in, in the office in suits and it's, it's changed, but it hasn't necessarily evolved. And there was also a time where everything was done off a black book. So I had these contacts and I had this production contact. Yes. And there was no real way for the client to ever know who that production contact yeah. was. There was no way for the client to ever find freelancers. It was, it was kind of like you came to us as an agency, and there was a kind of like um, uh, a wall between us and, and, and what you were doing because it was all done through a black book, phone calls, all of those side of things. Now, as a client, and I know this from being kind of like going onto that client side and having the experience of being agency side, then client side, mm-hmm. you know that most freelancers, most suppliers are a Google search away yeah absolutely um, like, yeah i can I can sit back and go, "Oh, we are doing absolutely everything, and we are, are this, and but really, that client can tend, spend ten minutes on Google saying, "I need someone that can do this, and they can have that person direct. Now, what I would rather do is walk in with freelancers that, yep, they're freelancers, they're part of this team. And not only that, but suppliers as as well. We don't say that we can do absolutely everything. We don't turn around and say, we are in-house production, we are in-house video, we are in-house... I will walk into a client and say, no, we bring everyone together and we've got the expertise and we've got the creative skills inside us to go... This is how it should work. We've got a head of production as part of the team that kind of goes, this is how it should be delivered. But we walk in and we say, we're not um, one big agency. We're actually multiple agencies being led by one, but we're coming together as a strong force back to that sort of nobody's cafe idea of all these creators and all these people coming together to elevate culture. Now, some companies big companies that we're going to face off against like your jack mortons and those big ones out there yeah, in the yeah. world, they will go in and there'll be one one powerhouse and the reality is and like you think of like the bbh's of the world those companies are set up by people that are very very removed from what those companies are now yeah so you're you right it, you buy into this idea of oh my god it's bbh they've done all of this and this and this but you're not actually getting the people that did it, you're getting a brand yeah. that, that did something. And sometimes what you actually end up getting as a client is you deal with the junior account manager unless something's going wrong and then you get to see the senior people. Exactly. Or you're a very, very big client and you're spending a lot of money, but yeah. you get to see the, the senior people. But most clients deal with like just the juniors now. And that's a sort of like, especially when they're dealing with everything now, f- for what we do as a sort of boutique is we're going in and we're going, you're actually just getting senior talent from the off. Now, if we bring in another boutique agency, you're also getting senior talent. Yeah. Now, even if it's not myself that's involved, I can bring in someone that m- might actually be more experienced than I am yeah. That comes in and delivers on that project from a freelance basis and it wouldn't necessarily be a junior account manager that's leading an entire project you are getting senior talent because it's a boutique agency and then when you do that with another agency and you walk in the room and you're like we're delivering this we're one here's another boutique agency you're actually getting the expertise of them say it's a video production agency you're getting senior people from a video production agency yeah and senior people from an experiential agency and if it's uh, whatever the whatever it might be um you might be getting senior people from a photography company or um whatever it is that's going to help you deliver a talent management agency all of them come together and you go right here you go you've now got Quite experienced senior level people that are all invested in delivering for you, rather than a Jack Morton. And no offense to them, I know they're no, any, uh,
0: I hope, yeah, but,
1: <laughs> yeah. The, but you are getting some junior talent when you're buying into the senior talent that created
0: it. I completely agree, and um, you know, I think the pandemic changed things slightly in terms of what a freelancer looks like. But in the history of a freelancer, generally, is someone that's really really done the groundwork they've really built their expertise up and they, yeah. uh, you know me me the same we've we've done the groundwork we've we've done exactly got all the experience at agency side client side and then we decide we just want to go alone we want to we want to be our own bosses we want to yeah. you know think about our own futures and, and do it that way so you are normally in a freelancer you are getting someone that's quite senior that knows their business completely inside out has got a skill set that you can't be matched like you say by unfortunately like those junior account managers in say a bigger agency so automatically you are getting a a, a dream team aren't you you are pulling together a dream team it's it's incredible oh wow okay now I want to talk about experiential because um we've not covered it on the podcast and I think it's a really exciting area um, of the events industry um, unfortunately you know i suppose well actually i'm gonna i'm gonna say this and i'm gonna take it back i think experiential has probably been put on the shelf a little bit in the last year um but yeah. I, I imagine some brands have been very clever and done it online in certain ways and i'm seeing yeah. that actually i think you posted something about desperado yesterday yeah. on yeah. linkedin which i saw which which is really cool um talk to me about experiential and what what defines experiential and and why because i i love it i love working on activations i love working on the, this side of the uh, Um, events industry you know define experiential tourism why is it so exciting
1: yeah so for me it's it's all based on the experience so experiential is is all based on the experience and for a long time experiential was events so it's like people would say experiential and they'd think oh well we're getting an event yeah and that isn't necessarily the case like experiential for me is providing an experience to the consumer yeah so that could be it could be an event but it could also be a digital branded content piece that fits with an event and it's like it's like a whole world that provides something so it could be something like an app that you get through on your phone and it's like it isn't just I've gone somewhere and I've gone to an event. It could, it's, it's everything that surrounds it. It's the ability to go, I've just seen an amazing billboard and I don't know if you've ever seen it, but it's um, a billboard they did for Tomb Raider, which was they had loads of people standing on a, on a billboard and it would rain on them. And It was the first one that dropped off the billboard. Um, the last one that dropped off the billboard won a prize. That kind of thing is nice. experiential. It's giving people an experience Beyond what you would usually see. Yeah. So it's it's a tangible, I can get involved with it experience. So for that example with the billboard, people could vote on what they wanted to happen next. Wow. What, they, they wanted it to rain. Okay, people voted it for, for it to rain. Um it, elevating experiences. So when you get a delivery through. And it's a box that you open and there's a video that plays in there and you're getting all of these packaged luxury items packaged together. That's elevating that experience. And so what you were saying there about experiential has kind of vanished off and it it did a bit because that was because it was tied so closely to to events and the belief that it was live events. Yeah. It's just as a brand, you're doing a mail out. And you want to elevate that. You want someone to get something at the door and go, wow, this is a little bit different. Now, for me, that is experiential as well. Yeah. It is. It's that moment where someone goes, I've had an experience. I've felt something different than I usually would. I haven't just gone down to the door, opened the packaging and thrown everything away and nothing's happened. I've gone and I've scanned it and there's a little hologram that's popped up on my phone and that's told me what I need to do with this this item. And then suddenly it's like, okay, that was different. That's something I'm going to tell someone about. Yeah. That's something I'm going to share with my friends because I've, I've, I've felt that. Um, and yeah, it's supper clubs where you sit down and you have dinner and it's not, it's not necessarily a festival. It isn't yeah. necessarily 20,000 people in a field. It can be 10 people in a room that then have something that they share to their community that then goes further and that the community can then share. And there's a video made from it. And it's it's what connects all of the dots. So like, I would say that events lives in experiential. Yeah. But it's not just experiential. Um, and it's perfect for brands because that, that is exactly it. That is what all the things that you see that night do, what we are saying about Desperados, turning that virtual event on its head a little bit. And they've created an app that drives you to get off your seat and to dance um, with a really nice cause of donating a pound. Like it's those things that I, that I see as experiential. It's, yeah. it, it, it's that, um, and I think, and we've had these conversations on Clubhouse, and every, like we as the events industry, we have so many different labels for ourselves. Um, and that's kind of why I like experiential because I feel like it just houses us all in, into into one thing. So if you put on a wedding event, you are giving an experience. It might not be branded, but you're providing an experience to the people on a day that's going to matter most to them. Yeah. And all of those little things. And there are ways to elevate that. There are ways to go. This is different from others. But there's also the acts that are on and how the flowers look and all uh, that is an experience so that would still be experiential festivals fits under that category and one of the things I found about the events industry especially in this year is we, we felt a bit scattered yeah we felt like you're what oh you do wedding events right we we do festivals so we're totally different and we don't speak to each other and you do um, dinner events oh you're different from us because we do this type of event and you do sports events all oh, that's different and recently we've kind of come together and gone what are we really doing we're providing everyone and the people that we want to entertain we're providing them with an experience yeah and that's where i kind of that's why i love the word experiential that's why i call the people that we work with experiential creators rather than you are a creative director you are you you go good at wedding events like You can flip that. You could do wedding events all your life and flip that and do a sports event because you've got that knowledge of Of pulling project management stuff together. You can do a festival and then do a wedding. It's all transferable and that's why I think it all sits best under under that bracket.
0: Absolutely. And it's such a, you know, even you... I think um, your website encompasses what an experience is. I went on it last night when I was researching you and it, just as a starting point for someone, if they want to really think about what experiential is, go on your website, Nobody's Cafe, because you go on, there's lots of things to explore. There's things that are quite emotive. You go on and there's music there and there's and then you've got blogs and things to read as well. When it is just that whole, you, I immersed myself in it last night. And I think what you've done really nicely is, is get experiential defined in a website completely (laughs) i love it i'm conscious we've got to wrap up now um but um i I could talk to you for ages i I feel like we've only just started Um, this conversation so we might we may do a part part two two. yeah (laughs) Yeah, season three we'll come back for a part two but david if people want to find out about you and what you do because you're doing some really good stuff where can they find you
1: so yeah, we've got nobody's dot Head over to that. We've got the Spotify, the Instagram, uh, LinkedIn as well. Just reach out to me on uh, David Ogist. Um I'm always open. I always respond to all the messages I get in in there, uh, even the sales ones. So yeah, uh, I do. I do, um, I do like to just communicate and reach out. Uh, yeah, however how suits you.
0: And you're quite prolific on Clubhouse as well. So if anyone is is privileged enough to be on on the iPhone (laughs) and they can get themselves on Clubhouse, then, you know, come and join you because you do run some great sessions. David, I am definitely going to set a part two up of this. I've loved it. So thank you very much. We will speak to you soon. Take care. really enjoyed it. Did we all enjoy that? David was an absolute pleasure to interview. So thank you, David, for kicking off our season. And if anybody wants to find out more about Nobody's Cafe, then do go and visit their website. So we're up and running. Season three is well and truly kicked off. Remember, we have socials. We are on Instagram, we're on LinkedIn, and we are on Twitter. Events for Breakfast podcast is what you need to search for. Come and join the community because we love to hear from you all. If you've got any questions, queries, or wanna reach out to me, then I'm Kelly Frew. You'll find all my contact details on my website, Storymaker Events, or on all the socials. And remember, we don't want you missing out on any of the upcoming episodes. So do make sure you subscribe to the Events for Breakfast podcast on your usual podcast provider and give us a little cheeky five-star rating whilst you're there too. Thanks, you lovely lot. We'll be back next week with more. Take care of yourself. Bye.